I'll just disrobe myself, only this. Anyway, last week, humility and grace, and uh, spoken humility this week, I want to say some things about grace. And uh, as is often the case, I've had some wonderful opportunities this week to experience the grace of God. I don't know what day it was, I think about Wednesday, standing with a bit of a bad throat, and uh, okay, God, I received my healing, so, so. Last night, about five o'clock, it got worse, I could hardly swallow. So by the time I got into bed, I went into bed in this throat, and it was terrible. So I kept waking up during the night, saying, God, I receive grace, and speaking the word. Then I go to sleep for a bit, God, more grace, than I declare the word. I'm waking up again. More grace than I declare the word. And I woke up this morning, my throat's fine. Praise God. Grace. Grace enable my faith. Thursday or Friday, I was in the office. I just moved wrongly, pulled my back out. And I nearly screamed out at the time. And then when you walk after that, every time this foot hit the ground, I wanted to scream. And that's what it was like. And this morning I'm kind of dancing around. I got into bed Friday night. I could hardly get into bed. You know what it's like when you do that? I could pull myself into bed. I could just about get into bed. Getting back out to roll myself over on my side like this. Get myself out of bed. Go to the bathroom. Come back into bed. Roll myself back into bed. Or if I sat down trying to get myself back out of the chair to push myself back up. God, more grace to enable my faith. More grace to enable my faith. Hallelujah. See, grace enables your faith and enables you to do things you can't do humanly. Grace is powerful. It is an active power. I just kept going. I I was scraping some uh, in the kitchen. We've got to get some wallpaper off. I got up the ladders and I'm still... I was careful at angles. I moved them. I carried on scraping. I kept exercising my faith, not in a stupid way, in a wise way. I kept going by faith as God gave me more grace to enable my faith. See, grace works. Grace works. At salvation, grace and faith are there together. It's supposed to be grace and faith throughout a Christian life, not just at salvation. By grace we're saved through faith. That's the way it's meant to be for the remainder of our lives. Grace and faith working together. Grace is available, but we access that grace by our faith. That's how we do it. And, uh, but before we get into it, really, I just want to humble myself before my God again. I'm going to lie down, humble myself, because I want more grace to come. So if you want to join me, that's fine. If you don't, it's also fine. I don't care. I'll probably pop back up in 30 seconds, but I'm just humbling myself before my God. Goodbye. You will be amazed at God's amazing grace if you will learn to receive it. You will be amazed at God's amazing grace if you will learn to receive it. You will be amazed. Does anyone want to be amazed? I want to be amazed. I want to be amazed at God's amazing grace. So if you'll learn to receive it, and you're going to have an opportunity at the end of this message to receive it, You can be amazed. 
You know, we want to be that people we heard about last week who we've always got that heart attitude of gratitude because we recognize God's the creator, we're the created. And we don't deserve to be saved just out of God's great grace and mercy because he loves us, he has saved us. Nothing that we deserve. That keeps us walking humbly before God. To be humble before God, to be bold before men and women, and using that phrase of Bob Gordon, to walk tall upon our knees. That's the kind of people that God wants. Our people who walk tall upon their knees. I want to be a man that walks tall upon my knees. That grace might come. I know my need of the grace of God. My current definition of grace is this. Grace is God's free and undeserved favor. His unconditional love, his lavish provision, and his active power. It's not just God's free and undeserved favor, it's also his unconditional love. It's his lavish provision, not just his provision, it's his lavish provision. You could say it's his outrageous provision. Absolutely outrageous. Grace is outrageous. Martin Lloyd-Jones once said this, a famous preacher from years ago, he once said this, If you preach grace and it doesn't sound outrageous, you're not preaching grace. Because grace is outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. It's an active power that enables our faith. It's a tangible anointing. It's something that we can receive that is tangible, that empowers us to do the things that God calls us to do. Grace empowers I remember when we used to be at Hunsbury years ago. I was that, at that point, I just thought grace was God's free and undeserved favor, and God started to show me about his power. And I thought, well, God, I can see that. And I read through the word. I thought, yeah, there's a power in this, God. So I rang Bob Gordon and some other kind of theologians, if you like, and I said, this is what I believe God's shown me. Do you think that's right? They said, Brian, that's what God's showing us at this time. It's, a, it's an active power. It's not just a free and undeserved favor. It's an anointing that can be received. We need it. We need it. You know, and uh, I said last week at the, one of the elders' meetings, there was a thing about bridges of grace, and then on the Wednesday prayer for revival, there was like you could see people going over from the church to the world, taking carrying the grace of God. But people are also coming over this way to receive the grace of God. A two-way bridge conveying the grace of God. And we need to be the people that are prepared to go across that bridge and take his grace. You know, most commentators would agree that grace is represented in the Bible by the number five. That's the number that represents grace. That's not just grace, that's grace, grace, grace. That's the fullness of grace. So you can't get more grace than that. Three in the Bible, that's fullness. Holy, holy, holy. You can't get more holy than holy, holy, holy. So five, 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 grace, grace, grace. God wants to give a fullness of grace to his church as we press on into this coming year and beyond that. Grace is available. Why? Because God so loves the world, he sent his only son that the world might be saved. That's why. This Wednesday, when we were praying upstairs, we were praying away and I had this kind of thought just going round and round and round. It made me smile because I thought, God, you've got a wonderful sense of humor and you very often use it to make a point. 
And the thought was this. Don't dial 999, dial 555. Don't dial 999, dial 555. When you have an emergency in the kingdom, don't dial 999, dial 555. Tap into the grace of God, in other words. When you have a crisis or a bad moment, tap into the grace, dial 555 and receive from the throne of grace because God's grace is sufficient whatever our situation. It's sufficient. Dial 555. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 2 picks up the fact that we're saved by grace. But I love the way it says that God will show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us. Isn't that amazing? The exceeding riches of the grace of his kindness towards us. That's towards us today, right this moment. The exceeding riches of the grace of the kindness of God is towards you right this moment. Amazing grace. Not because we deserve it, but because of God's grace, because he loves us. We're saved by grace through faith. Nothing to boast about. We don't work away into heaven. We don't pay away into heaven. We don't get in there by good works. We get in by the grace of God because of what Jesus has done. If there was any other way into heaven, God would not have allowed his son to go through that horrible death on the cross. Because of Jesus, grace is available. We are saved by grace. But we also need to work and build by grace. The apostle Paul says this, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And and his grace towards me was not in vain, for I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but by the grace of God which was with me. The apostle Paul labored more abundantly. In other words, he worked harder than everyone else, but he recognized it wasn't him in the flesh, it was the grace of God that was with him to enable him to work hard. Grace enables us to work hard. That's bad news to some people because you don't want to work hard. Grace enables us to work hard. It empowers us and strengthens us to do things we couldn't humanly do. That we can work harder and better than those around us because of the grace of God. That makes us a good witness in the workplace. In some verses in Zechariah, I love this. The well-known verses in Zechariah chapter 4 Everyone knows the first part. What about the second part? It says, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the captain with shouts of grace, grace to it. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple, and his hands will finish it. Shouts of grace, grace to it. Whatever we're doing, brother and sister, there needs to be a shout of grace, grace to it. At the moment, I'm saying to my new home, grace, grace to it. I'm saying to this year, grace, grace to it. I'm saying to Kingdom Life Church this year, grace, grace to it. What is it in your life? You need to be saying grace, grace to it. 
See, the, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of grace. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. He is the Spirit of grace. We need to start shouting grace, grace to it. That will enable us to complete what we've started. It will produce fruit and God will get the glory. Isn't that what we want? What we start, we finish. So all that we work at and all that we build must be by the grace of God. It must be by the grace of God. What about ministering by grace? Ephesians 4 verse 7 says this, But to each of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. That's the fivefold ministry gifts. Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. In Romans 12, 6, Having gifts that differ according to the grace of God that is given to us, let us use them. Other gifts. 1 Peter 4, As each has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whatever our gifts, we need to recognize they are grace gifts, and there's a grace that comes with a gift. You know, you can tell when someone is moving in their gift. There's a grace with it. There's an ease, there's a joy in it, there's a fruitfulness. You can also tell when there's no grace upon someone. They're doing something. Have you ever passed a comment, there's not much grace in that, is there? You can tell. They're doing the wrong thing. They're in the wrong ministry. See, when it's the right, the right gift that we're moving on and the right area of ministry, there's a grace and an ease and a joy in it, and we produce fruit for the kingdom of God. And that's what we all want. So our ministry must be covered by the grace of God. I mean, when Paul and I would pray upstairs, for years we've said the same thing, God the same thing, more grace, more wisdom. God, more grace, more wisdom. That's my most common prayer, more grace, more wisdom. I need the grace of God to do what God has called me to do, and so do you. If you don't think you need the grace of God, you're proud. You won't receive it, because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. When we acknowledge we need our grace, it comes to us. So we need grace for ministry. Our weaknesses get strengthened by grace. Remember in 2 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul said, God set me free from all this stuff. He's been harassed from every quarter. He was being buffeted and harassed by the enemy using people and all sorts of things were happening. He was crying for some relief. And God said this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. See, the great paradox of the kingdom of God is this, when we're weak, we're strong. Isn't that great? You feel weak today? Praise God. Receive the grace of God and be strong in Him. When we're weak, we're strong. Then the Apostle Paul goes on to say, I would rather glorify in my weakness. God gets it. He gets it. He knows He needs the grace of God. It's the grace of God that empowers Him to do everything that God has called Him to do. My grace is sufficient for you, and the Lord says this to you all today, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Isn't it good to be weak? Because in Him, we can be strong. That means, in our darkest moments, in our most difficult times, 
And when we feel the weakest, God's grace is sufficient to strengthen and empower us. Remember that in your darkest moment. I was always lying in bed last night and kept waking me up. God, more grace. And then I'd speak out the word. I'd say, I drive symptoms from my body in the name of Jesus. Fall off to sleep. Waking back up again. Still sore. God, more grace. More grace. See, grace is tangible and it's real. It empowers us in our weakness and it's sufficient for us whatever our circumstances. See, sometimes we can get to the place where I can't cope any longer and the words come out of our lips. The difficulty is when you say that, that's what happens. We can't cope. But we're in that place and we might just feel all I can do is lie down. That's the time, God, I need your grace. I need your grace. You know, there's two books I've recommended umpteen times. I remind you of them again today. Living in the Grace of God by a man called Rob Rufus. It's a good book about the grace of God. Very simply written, easy to understand. I read it two or three times a year at least. There's another book, Grace, the Power to Reign, by a man called Harley Bell. They're also a good book about grace. And he gives a, an example in this book when he was a, a pastor in the ministry and in his ministry, it was so broken down that he felt he could hardly lift a finger and he was crying before God. He said, God, I just, I don't even feel I can get back up. You're going to have to minister to me. And at that moment, God ministered to him by his grace. A tangible power and a tangible anointing began to minister to him. I've learned to tap into that. That's what keeps me going. When I'm in that place, I feel weak. I say, God, more grace. Even when I'm in that place, I feel strong. I still say, God, more grace. Several times throughout the day, I put my hands up. God, I'm coming to the throne of grace. Pour in your grace. And I just let it wash into me. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. You can just feel it washing into you. We need it. We need it. So God's grace can strengthen our weakness. So the $64,000 question is this. How do we receive it? Well, we've got to believe it exists. Romans 5.2 says this. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We have access by faith In other words, we activate our faith, we believe that grace exists, and we believe that we can receive it. We exercise our faith to receive from God's grace. God's grace is God's abundant provision. It's You can't describe God's grace, actually. But we've got to believe that grace exists, and we access its grace by faith. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and grace to help in a time of need. See, the Bible shows us that grace is available. The throne of grace is there, and we come to that throne, and we can receive grace from that throne any time of the day or night. That's what I've been doing this week. That's what I do most weeks. 
But this week I've had to get there a lot more often than I normally do. But the throne of grace is there. And the good thing is, it says that Jesus can sympathize with us in our weaknesses because he has been through every single thing it's possible for a human being to go through. Did you know that? And he sympathizes with us. He understands us. So when we come to that throne of grace in our weakness, he understands us and pours out his grace upon us. We're not going to someone who doesn't understand us. We're going to someone who's been there. To someone who's suffered rejection, heart, and all sorts of things, as well as all the physical things he went through his body and the cross. He has been there. And so he understands us. And he wants to help us because he loves us. See, he tasted what it's like to, to be a human being. And he's there for us. And we can go and receive. And what I do is this. I just picture my imagining there's the throne. I see this waterfall coming from the throne. It's a throne of grace. And I just get myself under that waterfall and I say, Father, I just come to your throne of grace and I receive your grace now. Pour it in. 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 And I'll just stand there for two or three minutes and just soak it up. Very simple, really. You remember two or three Sundays ago, I had this sense about hearing the voice of God and becoming good receivers. Brother and sisters, the key to reigning in life and victory this year is becoming a good receiver of God's grace. So we come to the throne of grace. And as we receive grace, we then put ourselves in that place where we can reign in life. And it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible now, Romans 5:17. For if by the sin of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life as kings through the man, Christ Jesus? I'm going to read that again. For if by the sin of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life as kings through the one man, Christ Jesus? We reign in life as kings through receiving the abundance of grace. It's simple. You don't need to go to a conference, 10 steps to victory. I've given it to you for free. Receive the grace of God and reign in life. The more grace you receive, the more you reign. Doesn't mean we feel good all the time, but His grace is sufficient. It gets us through the good times and the bad times. It gets us through. Sometimes we look back and how on earth did I get through that? Obviously, it was the grace of God took me through it. Because sometimes we go through things in life that are beyond human endurance. Even as Christians, they are beyond human endurance, but the grace of God carries us through. So we need the grace of God. And it comes through humbling ourselves before Him. 
and recognizing it's available. And it's all been made available because of what Jesus has done. See, Jesus died on the cross to enable grace to be released to you and me. Isn't that good? Nothing to boast about, but because of what Jesus has done. When we learn to receive God's grace and we are reigning in life, we are then much more able and better equipped to help others in life. And we can declare and release grace over people's lives. I remember a few years ago, as we were praying about this and God was showing us something, Paul had a picture of dynamite grace. And he, he put this picture and I'm very stuck up in my office like dynamite grace. When I hear about situations, I say, Father, I'll loose grace into that situation. Boom! I'm looking for a boom on the other side. And things have turned around in days when I've done that. Amazing. But it's released the grace of God to work. And we need to be in that place where we, we cooperate with Father God and we release His grace to work in people's lives. And we can do that. We can do that. Declare the grace of God over people. I speak grace over the lives at the moment, Father. They're going through a tough time. I speak your grace over the lives. You know, in the New Testament, when the apostles planted a church in things, they couldn't be there to take care of them all the time. So they said, God, we commit them to the grace of God. In other words, they gave them into the hands of God's grace, knowing that God's grace was sufficient and would take care of them. See, God's grace is sufficient. It will take care of us and others as we cooperate with him. I'm going to get you standing up in a minute to receive some grace. We'll just about make it. So my current definition of grace, this is just my current definition of grace, God's free and undeserved favor, his unconditional love, his lavish and outrageous provision, and his active power. And it's available for you and for me if we will humble ourselves and receive it. Can we stand, please? I would like you to imagine God in the third heaven sat upon his throne. And imagine a waterfall of grace coming from that throne over you, right over your head at this moment. Could you open your hands, palms upwards? That's the receiving way. And just say, Father, I receive your grace. Pour it into me. You tell him. Just keep receiving that grace. I receive grace for my life. I receive grace for my marriage. I receive grace for my family. I receive grace for my finances. I receive grace for my ministry. I receive grace for my neighbors. I receive grace for the circumstances and problems I'm going through. Father, I receive grace. I receive grace in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus made grace available to me, and I receive it for myself now. And Father, I ask you for the grace to go on receiving your grace on a daily basis. I ask you to do that for me, Father, because you love me in Jesus' name. Just before you sit down, 
I don't know how I did this. I've been wearing glasses for years. I've been going through these notes without any glasses this morning. With the grace of God. And that caught me by surprise. I thought, how can I have reading that? How did that happen? Well, it's grace. Now, I might not be able to do it next week, but I've done it this week. It's grace. But it's grace, isn't it? It's just the grace of God. I'm serious. Please. It's very difficult when you're a quarter pastor in a church and there's different words that God gives to bring and you don't want people having a word this week and then it's a different word next week and we work our way through that. I believe that this thing about humility and grace really is important for us as church because I do believe revival is coming to this nation. I believe that that Wigglesworth prophecy that this revival is going to be greater than the Wes and the Welsh revival of former years is going to go from here to Europe to the ends of the earth and it's going to be us walking humbly before God and receiving his grace so we've got nothing to boast about. So I really do plead with you to take hold of this and ask God to burn it into your heart because revival is the grace of God. Seeing a great harvest is the grace of God. It means God gets all the glory. God gets all the glory. And that's what we want to do is give God all the glory. So please don't think next week it's, it's okay to hear different words. But we can get into the mentality, you know, every week is going to be a different word. No, well, maybe every week it needs to be the same word. That would make a certain take note, wouldn't it? Just a thought. I'm so glad I didn't fall asleep this morning because you probably thought it was the anointing. And I actually been because I've been awake half the night. Okay, so God bless you. Thank you. 